Wow. Hey, thank you so much, Roxy and uh, Church. I'm excited. <laughs> it's so awesome to be here again with you um, and just sharing the word with you this morning. Um, we're just really, as I said, thrilled to be here. Um, this is definitely one of our favorite places to be. Uh, and so it's just a real joy to be with you again. And uh, we just want to begin this morning by really honoring your amazing pastors, Paul and Ruth. Um, they're the most amazing leaders. They're the biggest hearted people I know, um, generous and amazing, and have such a, a huge vision to see the kingdom of God grow. And uh, it would be really great, as Roxy said, to be just praying for them this week um, in Scotland. Uh, we had a text from Paul this morning, so amazing they are. Um, just um, encouraging us with the service and saying that they were off to uh, Edinburgh Hillsong. So uh, just they have an awesome time there. Just want to honour Reuben and Harmony. You're the most amazing young leaders I know. Um, you guys are so mature, so quick. You're a really awesome. So we just want to really, we appreciate you so much and honour you. And Ian and Sophia, you're just an amazing gift um, from the Lord. Um, your teaching ministry is just phenomenal. Um, church, if you have you come to their teaching classes, you can access world-class teaching right here in Excite. And so um, I just honor Ian and Sophia. You're amazing and a mum and dad in the house and uh, just awesome couple. So thank you so much, Roxy. You're going to make this city rock. <laughs> And uh, you, we just knowing you not long, but um, we just honour you. Uh, Dave and Glennis, you're rocks, man. You guys have just been pillars in the house here. And along with many others, and look, I, I, look I'm not going to leave anyone out, but there's just so many amazing people in the house. Um, this is just an exciting place to be, and God is doing some amazing things. And um, this week we continue this amazing theme of heaven to earth, and what a great theme. Uh, just wanted a, a great theme. And uh, this morning I, I want to read some, I'm going to share some scripture, hope, hopefully give you a little bit of understanding and tell some stories about the heaven, heaven coming to earth. And so uh, I've got to do all that in 30 minutes, so let's get going. Okay. All right, I want to um, just say this morning that the first priority, um, I believe, in heaven coming to earth is we have to have a deep, deep conviction that that is the will of God, that, that God wants heaven to be upon the earth. And so this is my starting point this morning. And uh, uh, incidentally, I've listened to the two great messages already done and some great thoughts and teaching already been laid down. And you'd do well to get hold of those because both Ian and Reuben have made a great contribution uh, in building our thinking and king, the kingdom of heaven coming upon the earth. And uh, I think it was Ian used the scripture from Matthew 6.10 from the Lord's Prayer, which says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And what a great uh, verse we have there, um, just telling us very clearly that Jesus encouraged uh, his disciples and the church and us, 2,000 years later, to still be praying, your kingdom come on the earth 
as it is in the heaven. And in Luke 12, 32, it says this, Do not fear, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. See, God delights. He wants to shower and bring his kingdom down upon us. And so uh, we need a strong belief. We need to be grounded in the word and see it in the word of God, that it really is God's will. Uh, Not only that we go to heaven when we die, but that God wants to bring the very atmosphere, the very condition of heaven in all its glory. Um, no sick people in heaven. No brokenness, no oppression, no death, no woundedness, complete wholeness. That's heaven. And God wants that to be released upon the earth. And the, and the greatest thing of all is he wants you and I to be the channels of heaven being released onto the earth. Man, I feel at home here. The floor's sticky with alcohol. <laughs> and uh, feels like the Marima Hotel. So uh, that's, of course, unless Reuben ran around here with a bottle this morning just to make me feel at home. I don't know. Anyway, the, the floor's sticky with the alcohol from a big party, I believe. But hallelujah, we're in here. And who cares what was here on Friday? Heaven is here now in the people of God, and we are here to change atmospheres. Uh, Many of the parables Jesus told uh, were told to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like, principles of how we can release the kingdom into our life and into our areas of influence. And and, uh, so many of those parables were for that. They were to help us recalibrate our thinking away from the pattern and what we see and experience in this world and, and get a picture inside of us of what God's purpose for us is on the earth and what he wants to release through us. So uh, um, we will not seek the kingdom now unless we believe that God wants it here now. And so that's, that's what I just want to emphasize this morning. I believe with all my heart that the kingdom of God is meant to be manifest on the earth now, now. And I want to say to you, there's been a journey for me to get there. I, had, I did not start that way in my Christian walk. And uh, there were some reasons for that. Um, but now I, I, I hope you leave here today. If you take out one thing today, I want you to be convinced that it is the will of God for everything that we see, uh, all the promises that are in the Word of God, all the things we see in the life and ministry of Jesus are meant to be happening now. It is the will of God. And so we're going to look at a scripture this morning. um, And I want to uh, give you some, hopefully you get the want-to, and then um, uh, I might give you a little bit of how-to. And I know Ian's going to add some more how-to. So, but today, um, I want you to leave convinced that God wants heaven on the earth. And I just want us to look at a scripture first up this morning. Um, in Hebrews 1, uh, 1 to 3. And I'm using the New King James Version today. All right, so what we read there is, 
um, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All right, God spoke in various times in various ways. He spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He's appointed him the heir of all things. And through him, Jesus, he made the worlds. He is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. That means the exact representation of what God is like. Look at Jesus. Want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Look at his life. Look at his ministry. Look at what he did. And we see what he was like. And it says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. And he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of high. So through all the many events, the many stories, the many miracles that took place through the Old Testament, and all the picture and the increasing vision that we get of what God is like culminates in one person, in Jesus Christ the Son. And He is the, the last word from the Father on, on the revelation of what He is like. He is the, the last thread in the tapestry. He is the full embodiment. You get the full picture when you look at Jesus, and so he is the exact representation of the will of God. Now, this is really important for us because um, some people build their theology from some of the stuff in the Old Testament. And all, all the stories and all the teachings of the Old Testament are important to us. They, they give us an unfolding picture of what God is like, but don't stop at Moses. Don't stop at the prophets. Don't stop in the Psalms. Don't stop in Ezekiel or Isaiah. Keep going and discover the fullness of the picture he wants us to see in Jesus the Son. Jesus is the will of God. He represents it perfectly. And so uh, we don't need no need to long wonder what God is like. Like Philip, the, one of the disciples said, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. You know, we want to show us the Father. And Jesus said this. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is that perfect will of God, that perfect representation. So God's will is perfectly demonstrated in Jesus. And, uh, you know, God wants that same will that was demonstrated in the life of Jesus to be lived out now. So when we come to sickness, we just ask ourselves, what did Jesus do with the sick? Well, if you were sick and got around Jesus, what was going to happen? You were going to get well. If you were oppressed and you got around Jesus, what was going to happen? You got set free. If you were in a prison, of, 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 of a dark prison of 
brokenness and hurt, and you got around Jesus, what was going to happen? You were going to get set free. And church, nothing's changed. The same things we see manifest in Jesus are our portion now. And so, um, but this is not true of all of us and all of the church. Many people surrender to the sickness. They surrender to the circumstances. They surrender to negative situations in life, not realizing that that is not the will of God and that He wants to break us out of those situations. No, every stronghold is meant to come down. The strongholds of sickness, the strongholds of oppression, the suicide that's wrecking our land, those are not the will of God. And God wants to empower us, fill us, fill us with a vision of heaven so that we are so heavenly minded, we are tons of earthly youth. They used to say, too heavenly minded to be any earthly use. I'll tell you what, the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly use you will be. And uh, the more you catch a picture of what heaven is like, the more you'll reflect it into the earth. And so we are to be filled with this conviction. But the, thing, the, 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 the truth is this, that not everyone is there yet. Um, Many people are enduring and embracing and surrendering to things that are directly opposite to what we see Jesus doing in the Gospels. Um, but that's not the will of God. Every person that came to Jesus got healed. Every person was set free. He lifted the burdens. He broke the inequality. You know, the greatest advocate of women and women's ministry was Jesus Christ. There is no single person on the planet that elevated women more than the ministry of Jesus. What an incredible demonstration of heaven. He revealed justice in a beautiful way, and he set the kingdom, the captives, free. You know, just believing we're meant to endure through life is so far below what God wants. You know, um, we are not meant to endure um, or, you know, trouble and difficulty and poverty and sickness we're meant to take hold of the promises of God through prayer, through worship, through enduring through difficult situations and seeing the kingdom come into our situations. Um, you know, sometimes um, well-meaning Christians just emphasize all the negative things that are happening on the planet. They've got the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, but they're paying more attention to the newspaper. And uh, they're telling us about all the bad things and go, oh, look, the world's getting bad. Well, I'll tell you, that kind of theology don't help you at all. When Christians begin to live negative, think negative, see negative, um, live with a worldview that says everything's getting worse, everything's getting bad, you know, huddle in the church and hide because we're safe here. That kind of thinking um, leads the church into captivity. God meant us to burst out of these four walls with life, liberty, and victory and affect our communities and pull down the strongholds and overcome the things that deny the reality of heaven on the earth. We were meant to occupy till he comes. We were meant to take ground, not surrender ground. We were meant to penetrate the education systems, the arts, 
and every other institution on this planet and take the glory and the kingdom of God into those places and overcome, for goodness sake. The church was not meant to be huddling in the corner waiting for the rapture. You know, a lot of the things that we've lost in this nation today, in the media and in the arts and in, in, the, uh, in, many, in politics and many areas of our culture, trace back, I believe, to um, a wrong interpretation of end-time thinking and events from the Bible. And, and, you know, one of the inhibiting factors in, that I alluded to in my life that took me a long journey to understand the will of God here and now was teaching that told me Jesus was at the door and all the signs of darkness in the world were saying Jesus is right here now and there's only one thing that matters is, is um, walk with him. It, it led me into a thinking of, of shutdown and defense and fear took a hold of my life. You know, there was a time in, when I was about 18 years old, I even doubted I would ever marry and have a family. Um, the world was so bad and things were getting worse. But oh, hallelujah, what a great day when I discovered that, you know, the church wasn't meant to hang out at the rapture bus stop, waiting to get off the planet, uh, having surrendered it to the devil. We were meant to rise up, believe for heaven to come to earth, we were meant to occupy. We were meant to go aggressively and take back the ground that has been wrecked by the, the demonic forces and the evil thinking of this age. We were meant to, to, to change this place in which we live. We are not meant to endure it. We're meant to conquer it. Yeah, conquer it. Sadly, not everyone is convinced yet. Some have formed theology about what has happened to them in life. And I, wanna, I just want to share this with you. And I tell, I've told people this for 30 years. I believe it with all my heart it's the will of God for people to be healed. And we pray for a lot of people. And we see a lot of people get healed. Um, we were in the car um, on... Uh, one day this week traveling, and we had a text from a dear friend in Whangarei saying her husband was in Whangarei Hospital, and he had a deteriorating bone condition in his, in his leg, and they had said that they were going to amputate his leg tomorrow. tomorrow, the next day. And we were like, no, no, and begun to pray and just thank the Lord that that was not the will of God. That was not the will of God for this man who loves Jesus, and uh, we prayed and we committed to Jesus and went on our way. Next morning, we had a text from his wife again saying, yay, they're not going to amputate his leg. They now believe it's getting better. They've done another examination and the leg is improving. Well, that's normal in the kingdom of God. We should be seeing that more and more. But we pray for many people, but not everybody gets healed. And sadly, what happens is people then form their theology out of what they see rather than out of what Jesus did and demonstrated on the planet. And they begin to think, well, well, maybe it's not God's will because they didn't get healed. Well, I think, no, it is the will of God 
We just are in a warfare, and we don't win every fight, but we keep on fighting because the more we fight and the more we stand in the Word, the more healings we are seeing. And so uh, we keep going. The more the church prays for the sick, the more the sick get healed. And so we keep on standing in what God says, not forming a theology that says, oh, well, maybe it's not the will of God that I get healed. Maybe it's not the will of God that I prosper. I'm just meant to be poor. Maybe it's not the will of God that I be happy and and have a good life. Maybe I'm just meant to endure this life. Well, no, thank you. I don't see that in Jesus. And I've told people, I'm believing to live a long, long time. And... uh, If I die untimely death, don't blame God. Um, Just thank the Lord and say, well, Howie, if I die of a sickness, don't say it was the will of God. It was not the will of God. My total belief is that God wants me well and whole and one day lay down on my bed, wave goodbye to my family and go home to Jesus. All right. So that's my conviction. So I'm not embracing a thinking that says, if I die sick, it wasn't the will, it was the will of God for me to die sick. No, 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 no. I don't see that in Jesus' ministry. I don't see that in the Word of God. But you can form a theology out of what doesn't happen instead of sticking to what God says and holding on to it till you see it happen. And that's how we see it happen, is holding on to what He says, not surrendering to what you see. There was an old song. Back in the 70s, I used to, uh, a great faith singer used to sing. She used to sing, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the word that's real. You see, we need to be as so anchored into this conviction that we're not moved by what we see. When am I meant to finish, Roxy? <laughs> okay. All right. So I want to, I just want you to be really convinced this morning. That um, and then and then we've had some liberal theologians in the in, in some of our churches around the world, and they've said God's dead and miracles don't happen anymore. Well, I'll tell you what: a lot of them are dead, and God's still alive and still doing miracles, and that's His will on the planet. Is uh, you know He's very much alive, and He's alive in you and I. Hallelujah! See every promise. In the Word of God, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, says every, every promise, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And it's not a way distant future, it's now. I want to tell you that, you know, 30, some 37 years ago, I felt a call of God to go down into Mariwa and come fresh out of Bible school, um, thought I should stay in the city and get a bit of experience, but... God had other plans, sent me out to a little town, had a pretty dark sort of reputation, had a big gang riot there in 79. And so I arrived in town, young, fresh out of Bible school, full of faith, full of conviction that God didn't want a dark town. He wanted a town full of light. There's no evangelical churches there, no one preaching the word of God. And so there I was on my own. In a strange town, no friends, hardly knew anybody. And uh, there I began. And I want to say that it was a, a word of God, a rhema word, a quickened word that God had given me. That he wanted to um, send um, 
springs of water, streams in the valley, that he wanted to bring trophies of grace out of that dark place, people whom the world thought could never change. He wanted to change them. And so he went there on the word of God, stood for many years, holding the word, believing the promises, and that dark place now has a light. And there's a church there. And through the years we've been there, there's been hundreds of people through the life of the church, and many, many lives transformed, people healed, delivered, set free. Yeah, there's still things to happen, still got a ways to go, but wow, is it better than it was. And it's better than it was because one guy got hold of the word and said, this is not the will of God. These strongholds have to come down and stood my ground. And Vicky joined me in it, and uh, there we go today. We can celebrate. We took the old Moriwa Hotel, one of the most notorious pubs in the country, second largest volume of bulk alcohol sales in the country, over the bar. They were six deep at the bar. The floor used to be hosed out with the fire hose every night, wet with alcohol. That's why, a sticky floor. Don't worry me. See, God takes whatever situation, whatever institution, and he puts his people in there. And he puts you in there so that you can reflect the kingdom of God, so that you can bring the light into the darkness. And so I want you to be convinced today, it is not heaven when you die, and that's when all the good things are going to happen, no sickness up there. Bring it down here, because that is the will of God. That is the will of God, unquestionably. So now I've just shared some thoughts about, I hope you've got the want to get the heaven into your situation this morning. And I'm just going to quickly give you some how-to helps. Some how-to. You got the want to, now some how-to. And uh, so that's the other thing we need, a how-to. How do we bring the kingdom onto the earth? Well, prayer is a huge part of that. And Ian's brought that to us. Also, worship. Fantastic, man. I love worship. Love the presence of God. And uh, love, um, love being in the presence. Um, so those are wonderful, wonderful keys. I want to just share with you this morning. Um, and uh, again, it's in Luke 3, 21 to 22. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened. It says that the Holy Spirit descended on in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which says, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now I want you to notice just part of that phrase. Ian brought the part last week about, uh, the week before, about how when Jesus prayed, the heavens were open. I want to I pick up this morning on you. You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved Son. One of the greatest transformational revelations in my life has been that I am a beloved son. I'm a beloved son. I spent a lot of years trying to be a beloved son. Um, and there was reasons for that. But I, 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 I realized one day, I'm a beloved son. 
Do you know what? Jesus had done no ministry when, when, when the Father spoke that over his life. The Father spoke over his life and said, you are my beloved son. My beloved son. Jesus went out into the world to reflect the Father out of a deep revelation that he was deeply loved, absolutely adored, that he was, the Father's smile and good pleasure was upon him. And you know what? God wants to give us that same revelation that we're beloved sons and daughters today. He wants us to know that so deeply. Jesus had that amazing confirmation. He did not become the beloved. He was the beloved. There's nothing that you can do to become more beloved of the Father. It's a gift from heaven. When you're born again into the family of God, you become a beloved son, a beloved daughter. And, and nothing you do from that point on will add to your belovedness. You're already beloved. Same with our children. They're beloved because they're our children. And nothing we can do will add to that belovedness. We just love them because they're our kids. And the Father loves us absolutely and unconditionally. Absolutely and unconditionally. John 1.12, as many as received him, them he gave the right to become the children of God. And Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. See, Jesus' mission was to bring many sons to glory. Many of us. And I know Ian's going to be doing a, he's doing a teaching on the sons, the sons of God. You get there. Because the more you get the revelation that you're a beloved son, that you're adopted into a family, that you're an heir, and that all things are given to us in Jesus Christ, the more you can fly in this life, the more you can have confidence before God that all things that God has for you are yours to receive. No longer slaves. In Galatians 4, does a beautiful passage. And it says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. I just want to share one story here, just as closing out this morning. You know, I was raised in an environment on a farm, and all the early heroes of my life were the fencers who could put up these beautiful straight fences, and they could do so many chain a week, you know. They were my heroes. And then there was the shearers down at Awarua. We were not far from the Defata family. And Samson Defata went on, went to school with Samson. And he went on to become a, 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 a Golden Shears champion in New Zealand and a world champion shearer. Uh, man, could they shear sheep. And uh, there was the, um, the shepherds who could train the dogs to do almost, you know, get the paper from the mailbox and all the rest, you know, just, amazing dog training skills. These were the heroes of my early life. And what it programmed me subconsciously, I never realized this, but I was programmed to believe that your value came from how good you did a job. And so you strived to be good at something in the agricultural realm. A good fencer, a good shearer, uh, you know, good, good with dogs or horses. And so the early program of my life was all about to be somebody, 
you had to do well. You did well, you were somebody, if you didn't do well, well, you were just run of the mill, ordinary. But I never realized till many years after I was in the kingdom of God. You see, I carried that same thinking into the ministry that um, to be accepted in the ministry, man, your church had to be growing, you had to be winning, you know, 20 people a week and, you know, you had to be counseling 30 couples and, you know, running children's church and doing everything. And so value came from performance. And so that programmed my life. Oh, what a wonderful revelation to discover that I was thinking all wrong. Somehow thinking I had to earn God's favor by how I did. What a revelation to discover. My value came 100% because he adopted me into his family through Jesus Christ and that I was valuable because I was a son. I was a son in the house, not a slave, not a servant, nothing less than a beloved son. And what a liberation to discover how, how loved I was. You know, sometimes I believe we ask the wrong question. You know, it's easy when we start a conversation with people to say, what do you do? And people will tell us what they do. And it took a beautiful Rarotongan brother to teach me this, that the Polynesian cultures never ask you what you do. They ask you, who are you? Who are you? Where are you from? And I'll tell you what, the kingdom is more like that. God doesn't want to know what you do. He, when He knows you, you're His son. That's where your value comes from. You're His daughter. You're a beloved son, a beloved daughter, precious in His sight this morning. Now, I'm not going to have time to go on to tell you how um, identity leads to intimacy. When you know you're truly loved, you approach Father with a whole new set of understandings. And you go boldly to the throne of grace because you know you have 100% access to the Father and you begin to enjoy His presence. You're not thinking about your sin. You're not thinking about what you're not. You're knowing that you're a beloved son of the living God and He's smiling at you and He's welcoming you into His presence. So you see, identity, having the right identity leads to intimacy and intimacy leads to understanding inheritance because in the place of intimacy, you get heavenly downloads of what He has given you and God opens your eyes to see all the things that are meant to be yours in this life, not in the next, but now He begins to reveal healing and prosperity and overcoming the breaking of the prisons of depression and oppression. He begins to show you that there's will for you is to be whole and well now in this life. And you get, you just start to walk into your destiny because when you understand inheritance, then you can walk into your destiny and experience all that God has for you in this life. And um, there's another day, another day to go there. But I want to just encourage you this morning I want to encourage you this morning, if you have not yet made that decision to yield your life to Christ, maybe you've had Christian friends telling you about God, about the kingdom of God, about uh, maybe you've been coming along to services and you've been hearing about the kingdom of God, and maybe you're beginning to understand, and I hope you understand this morning, it's not the will of God for you to live with dark thoughts. 
It's not the will of God for you to live with oppression. It's not the will of God for you to live um, bound by a sickness or a disease. It's not the will of God. The will of God is that you be whole and well and prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so this morning, if you're here today and you haven't yet taken that first step, where you've opened your heart and said, Jesus, come into my life and I surrender my life to you. If that's you this morning, why don't you just quickly raise your hand. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Anyone this morning, not yet, entered the kingdom. All right, is there anyone this morning? Everyone in the house has entered into the kingdom, received Jesus into your life. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we just thank God. No one here this morning. You're all in the kingdom. All the sons and daughters are in the house this morning. And uh, all, all seeing heaven come to earth in your lives. Well then, that's, that's great. I just want to encourage you. Don't live by what you see, but begin to claim. Begin to live by what God's Word says. Camp there. Learn all you can. Get revelation through teaching and listening to testimonies. You know, so many testimonies. You know, many of us in this place can stand for hours and tell you stories of how God has set people free. Last year in Indonesia, I laid hands on a, a guy whose knee was completely smashed from an accident and uh, laid hands on his knee and literally felt the bones moving under my hands. And seeing this guy start to do squats, he limped to the stage and then start to see him start to do squats and run down the aisle and back again with a knee that was completely restored by the, by the power of God. God wants to do that stuff, you know. Hallelujah. Don't let go of your faith and belief that God wants it for you here and now. Amen. All right, so just this morning, just one last thought. God wants you this morning to receive some more of the kingdom now, every one of us. And uh, I'm just going to pray. And I want you to just stretch your hands toward heaven this morning. Stretch your hands toward heaven and say, Father, I want to receive all that you have for me in this life. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says that God's going to wipe away the tears in heaven. You know, some of those tears are going to be because we found out what we should have had now. And we, had, we waited till we got to heaven. But God wanted to give it to us now. You know, well, church, don't be like that. Um, receive now. Begin to just, just receive now. And Father, I just pray over this beautiful family of God here at Excite Church. And Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, right now, whatever the need in every life here, whether it's oppression, whether it's um, dark thoughts, whether it's um, suicidal thoughts even, Father, whether it's, Father, a prison of, uh, Lord, of, of broken relationships and, Father, a, a place of, of um, Lord, of many, many broken relationships. Lord, we, we pray into those situations now. Father, we release wholeness and forgiveness to the relationships. Lord, we release, Father, financial provision. Where there is need and lack, Father, we release, Lord, all that we see in 
the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, wholeness, soundness in every part of every body here this morning, Lord, wholeness to their bodies, Lord, revelation, Lord, of the inheritance that is ours now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, let every person here receive a download and a touch from heaven, healing, deliverance, and being set free in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand up and we're going to worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.